Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by a friend of the show, Alex, to review screenwriter and director Alex Garland's second film, Annihilation, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime and Hulu. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Jay? Not too bad, man. How are you? Good, good, good. So a uh, kind of fun icebreaker that I like to do with first-time guests is ask what the first movie you remember watching that scared you was. Um, I don't know about the first movie that ever scared me. Um, I think one that stuck out um, when I you know, first started getting into like horror movies in like middle school, one that kind of like stuck with me um, was either the original Saw or Hostel. Um, just cause those came out at about the same time. Um, Oslo definitely kind of stuck with me cause it was, um, nothing like I'd seen before. Um, yeah. just very, made me very paranoid as a, you know, 12 year old, something 13 year old, whenever it came out. Um, but right. that movie always kind of stuck with me, whether it's great or not. I don't know. That's for everybody else to decide, but, um, mm-hmm. it's always just been a movie that's, that's kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, you get your friends together and watch that movie and just, you know, everybody's just, you know, looking around the corner. After. Right. For our generation, I think that was probably one of the first kind of modern horror movies that yep. kind of captivated everybody by just how extreme it was. Yeah. In terms yeah, of and, just like the kind of graphic content. Yeah. Right? And that, you know, for better or worse, you know, with kind of the whole like torture porn thing, you know, kind mm-hmm. of started with, you know, Saw and Hostel, but um or at least it you know feels like it but um you know whether that's good or not you know for the you know up for debate but that movie's always just kind of like stuck with me and you know sent shivers on my spine (laughs) for sure me too but uh today you picked a movie that couldn't be more different than that so we're talking about (laughs) annihilation today (laughs) Uh, and for those who haven't seen Annihilation, it stars Natalie Portman as uh, Lena, who's a biologist who signs up for a secret expedition into a mysterious anomalous zone uh, where the laws of nature don't really apply. Uh, the only thing they do know is that this thing called the Shimmer is uh, the only thing that's known about it for sure is that anything that's gone into it uh, has never come back out alive. So what was something about this movie that you really enjoyed that you made you pick it to talk about today? Um, I mean, so, you know, it's like a, you know, psychological horror and, you know, a lot of sci-fi elements to it. It's really like no other movie that I've seen, um, you know, just kind of dives into themes of just how people are, you know, self-destructive and, um, you know, it, 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 you know, we'll dive into that, but, um, you know, it's just the, the, you know, the, the, the effects and the world building and the shimmer is just pretty incredible. Um, it's also just, there are scenes in this that are just absolutely terrifying too. Um, you know, the, I can think of three off the bat, um, that just will absolutely resonate with you like for, you know, months after, after you watch the movie for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you and I talked briefly before recording kind of just about how, just trying to decide whether this was technically a horror movie or not. Yeah. And it's one of those things where the movie, I think touches upon so many different genres. There's like mm-hmm. sci-fi and then it, there's like a psychological aspect, like you said, 
but also like there are some pretty terrifying moments in the movie. So yeah, I think it kind of jumping between all of these things. And then also, like you said, it is like a gort, like the visual effects in the movie are uh, of a caliber that even somebody that watches a lot of sci-fi, like yeah. I was kind of taken aback by just the Alex Garland's overall kind of just style yeah. and adapting. The- and, and a lot of that is just, it, like, especially with some of the creature designs, like, um, you know, during the, the alligator scene, um, you know, that it's, it's close enough to something that you can, you know, that you know in real life, but it's, you know, mutated enough that it's very unsettling to see those creatures and all the, all the mutations throughout the movie. Um, you know, obviously the, the bear scene being the, the top one, I think, in terms of just how, unsettling and just terrifying that scene is i remember i saw i was one of the you know like seven people who watched this in the theater um <laughs> and uh i just remember <laughs> uh my girlfriend at the time she was just like she almost was like we gotta go we got we have to leave the theater <laughs> during that, that bear scene there are people like having panic attacks in there and everything <laughs> and um you know we can we can dive into that but that's in terms of just like, you know, monster design, um, it was just unsettling. And, um, you know, that's why I thought this movie kind of, I, I can understand why people maybe might not like it. Um, cause it is kind of a high concept and everything, but, um, you know, if you really, you know, focus on the, on the themes and, you know, just let yourself kind of be immersed in this world and just kind of, shocked by it uh i think it really hits home and you know those those scenes with the bear where they they find the home footage um i think that to me is like just you know um you know you see in other horror movies the whole like found footage you know genre or whatever and this this was only one scene where it was you know they were doing the whole found footage thing but um you know when they when they cut the guy open you see all the organs swirling around and they're just watching in horror and like disbelief. And, um, you know, one of the characters, I think it was, um, I forget if it was Tessa Tom. I think it was, um, uh, Gina Rodriguez's character. She's like, Nope, that's, mm-hmm. that's not real. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's like a, that's a, that's a, a trick of the light. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just cause it was so like, uh, disturbing and everything. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's so I was surprised again to learn during when I watched the document uh, making of documentary, how much of the movie was actually practical effects. Mm-hmm. Cause you assume like, obviously it's effects heavy, but there's barely any green screen in it. And yeah. they did something where it wasn't just CGI. It was, it's called like beautying up or something in yeah. FX where a lot of it was like practically based. Like the bear is actually a guy in a bear suit walking around and then they obviously touch it up yeah. in VX uh, and same with the alligator uh, and kind of just picking up on little details that you wouldn't really know to look for. Like mm-hmm. the reason they use the alligator um, practical mold, uh, it's like a molding that they made out yeah. of it to kind of like dropping it into the water to get the ripple effects in the water. Mm-hmm. It's like little details like that kind of help to really immerse and bring these kind of fantastical creatures to life in a way that I think really helps sell the, terror aspects of it yeah and so like a point that you said earlier um you were talking about how like 
it's things that we're kind of familiar with, like a crocodile or there was like the bear. Mm. But they just have like a way of taking these things that are based in reality and just changing them enough that they end up being even like more terrifying. Like, yeah, it's almost more terrifying than it just being some random mutant that they find or something yeah. like that, something that they made up. Whereas since there's some basis in reality, no matter how fantastical it might be, like on some level, it's relatable and you're familiar with it. So it becomes for me, at least like even more scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, so when I, um, when I, I did the rewatch, I listened to what, you know, what the, the bear was saying um you know with the screams and it's just like once you, you you look at like the transcript of what they're saying you know the and everything mm-hmm. like it's just it oh my god it's like even <laughs> even when you know what's coming it's still just like you know and and then when you know uh i think it's gina rodriguez's character she's like on the ground and the bear just you know takes her jaw off and just goes immediately after, after Natalie Portman, you're like, you just have no idea what's happening next. And it's that I, I thought it was shot incredibly too. Um, just very claustrophobic and uh, unsettling and everything. And that's really like when I think of just, cause I, you know, whether this is a true horror movie or not, I think it's, you know, it's got elements from all sorts of genres and everything, but when I think of just like scenes that just terrify me to this day, like this, this is up there, like, you know, top three, I think. I, I mean, even once you get over kind of the idea that like, okay, the monster itself is scary. Mm-hmm. Garland adds these little touches, like you said, like the, it's the screaming that it emits is it's not only that it's screaming, but it's like the screaming yeah. of the character that he killed, that the bear killed previously. And there's even that line that I forget which one of them, uh, says I think it's Tessa Thompson who says that it's like that would be a horrible thing if the only thing that's left over of me is me screaming out in pain. Yeah, which kind of <laughs> leads to her idea of why she essentially like wanders off into the shimmer and basically commits suicide. Yeah, it kind of just speaks the idea and it taps into the um, the kind of like existential kind yeah. of um, subtext in a lot of the conversations they have where it's like taking your own fate into your own hands Mm -hmm. and kind of just the, which I think goes along with kind of just the melancholy vibe of basically the entire movie. Yeah. And the whole like taking fate into your own hand. Like, I mean, even at the end of the movie when, you know, quite literally like, you know, they decide I can't take this anymore. Like when they find the the footage of like Oscar Isaac's character at the end in the lighthouse and he's, you know, he, he does the grenade and he's just like, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was also kind of a pretty like disturbing scene. And, you know, he's just looking sure. and you don't know who's behind the camera. Um, you know, until you find out like that, you know, he was like copied and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, for some reason, like, you know, the found footage scenes or movies or something, they, they're so hit or miss. To me, um, I thought the places where they used it in this um, worked very effectively. Those are two great scenes because it's used so sparingly. Yeah. And it's those moments. I think it's more effective, too, because it's a testament to like they did the decision to uh, film this movie linearly, Mm -hmm. which is not something that they do with a lot of things. And it kind of just helps with the continuity and the flow of the movie. Yep. And I think in not reverting to like a flashback or something like that, mm-hmm. or like a vision, 
by making it found footage, we kind of are forced to stay into the moment and stay in the room essentially with these yeah. characters. And just again, like in terms of the heavy practical effects, like in the scene where we see Oscar Isaac cutting into the guy's stomach. Yeah. A majority of that was all practical effects. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just obviously heightens everything yeah. because you're not like, okay, this kind of looks goofier, this or that. It's like, it looks like he's cutting into a guy's mm -hmm. stomach. Yeah. It's just kind of helps sell that entire moment. Yeah. And, uh, is definitely one of the more grotesque moments of the film. I, I love the soundtrack too. I thought it was just very like ambient mm -hmm. and just creepy. And like there are times, I thought like the scene where they find the, uh, you know, the footage of him cutting into the stuff. The music was just very like unsettling there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the the music at the end, like when, uh, like in the lighthouse or down in the cave, uh, it was just really like, it was really cool. I thought um, worked well with the movie and um, just very eerie and just ambient and, you know, totally. <laughs> Yeah, so the soundtrack was composed by uh, two composers, Ben Salisbury and uh, Jeff Barrow. And mm -hmm. uh, I think what I like most about it is how alien it feels in a lot of ways. Like it kind of captures the mood and the atmosphere again. Yeah. Like this is, this is one of my favorite sci-fi movies in that it's set relatively close to like our timeline. Yeah. But it feels it feels just familiar enough that you can place yourself there, but then mm -hmm. it is very like alien and extraterrestrial in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I feel like the soundtrack kind of just reflects that in a lot of different oh, ways. Yeah. Like, like you said, like it's very ambient at certain points and it kind of fuels the more character driven emotional parts. But then there's almost like a unique kind of like twang to everything yeah. that makes it feel almost foreign or just unnatural in a way. Yeah. That I really, really love. Very like electronic sounding. Like it's, you know, um, uh, yeah, just the the soundtrack. I think just just added to it. Uh, I don't know if you you know had like a you know soundtrack by like Hans Zimmer or something it would have fit with this movie. Um, yeah. But I, it was yeah. It, this movie just it it just nails that like element and like world building too. Uh, just of, of being in the shimmer and um, there are times that like it puts you into just situations where you're like, I, am I? losing my mind with them too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know there's like a pretty quick, like, like time cut, like a, once they enter the shimmer and it's just like, she's like, what? I don't even remember setting up camp. Like how mm -hmm. many days have we been in here? And I'm like, did I, did I miss something too? Like, <laughs> right. And it's uh, very, yeah, it's, they do a good job of kind of making that, um, disorientation, like very palpable. Yeah. And becoming um, lost in time with the characters. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's it's just something that kind of like follows you um, with the movie. Um, yeah, and I like um, uh, what was her name is uh, Doctor Doctor Ventress. I like her character Jennifer Jason Leigh. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought you know she kind of was the anchor of the group and everything, while everyone's kind of just you know working out their you know their stuff. And then at the end, you know, when she's in the cave and everything and that all comes out, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, yeah, she I explains think, um, annihilation, you know, everyone's got mm -hmm. this self-destructive, you know, that's why everyone's there and that's why. Yeah. They they describe themselves as like the, the broken toys, essentially. I yep. think one of the characters does, but this is something that I think is one of the rare cases where the movie adaptation is actually 
more successful than than the novel for sure is that in the novel none of the kind of warming up to characters or none of the camaraderie between the characters and all the development is in the novel yeah a majority of the novel has zero almost no dialogue in it Mm -hmm. and so you're kind of like exploring this weird world but you don't have like you said the anchor or you don't have the characters to kind of latch on to and to explore this unfamiliar alien place Mm -hmm. with them it's kind of more clinical yeah whereas the film is definitely more involving with the audience and yeah it makes it fantastic and i know that um that alex garland um was talking about how you know it was essentially his adaptation was just he called it like a memory of the book so he read Mm -hmm. it and then he just kind of like went off that and like he had the permission from the author to like kind of go off track and make it his own thing um and i think that's probably why it worked so well is because it's you know it's not a one-to-one you know uh copy of the novel um that you know he took a lot of liberties uh you know in the movie and i think it i think it works it is absolutely yeah yeah that's a shame i wish this this movie made more money because you know i'd love to see more alex garland get you know more and more work because i think he's his his movies have been fantastic so far yeah, he has um, a series that came out that was called Devs. Yep. Did you see that? I got yeah, it, I so, got it queued up. That's my next oh, show nice. that I'm gonna watch. Yeah, so I started it, um, and I didn't get too far, and it just I had stuff come up, but it definitely captures his kind of world building and his technology focused and that kind of extraterrestrial texture that he applies to everything. Again, mm-hmm. it's very much it's based in our time period, but it feels foreign in a way. So yeah. It's this interesting contrast, and I think it's why Annihilation works so well in that we're exploring this alien place, but it's still based in our own world. Like the forest, for the most part, like we can identify this is a forest, this is a swamp, but mm-hmm. then you have all of these kind of fantastical exaggerations of evolution where we see like all of the unique foliage, yeah. we see the mutated animals, even animals that aren't um, hostile where you see like the deer at one yeah. point that are, are mutated and yeah. little things like that. One, one thing that seems like pretty cool with the deer, maybe this is, this might've been some kind of foreshadowing too, um, that they kind of like come in separately and then they almost like sync up. Right. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they dip down at the same time they go off and they're, they're like perfectly synced up with each other. And I think that might've been like a little bit of, of foreshadowing for the, um, for the scene uh, at the end in the lighthouse oh, okay. uh, with the copy. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like, you know, watching that, I'm like, wait a second. Like, why are, why are these beings like synced up with each other? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is the point of that? And then you kind of see the end and it's like, you know, you're like, Oh, here we go here. We're seeing it again. You know, and yeah. maybe, I think maybe that was some sort of, you know, copy like, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, like Lena at the end. Yeah. Something I really appreciated on a rewatch was just how the movie, not only like the plot is paced, but kind of just how the thing, things begin to escalate within the shimmer and that we see yeah. in real time, almost how things are beginning to adapt and how basically the new evolution, like when Natalie Portman is being interviewed by um, uh, Benedict Wong mm-hmm. afterwards, she leaves the shimmer. She says he's like, it was destroying everything. And she says it wasn't destroying. It was creating something new. We kind of see that in real time where we see the foliage start to grow into people and copying into people. And of course, like we see their minds all begin to deteriorate and whatnot. And it kind of is just, 
again, it's one of those things where if we weren't so invested in the characters and we didn't have that development time with them, mm-hmm. I don't know how well that would have been translated to the audience. Yeah. But um, for, I mean, what did you think about kind of just the overall ending of the film? Because it does, it does end ambiguously. Yeah. Um, even though they kind of highly imply what the actual ending is. Yeah. The, you know, what did you what I, did you think of the whole lighthouse segment? You know, I, I it, it's uh, again all of this is just very open to interpretation. I think that's the point of the film. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the <laughs> I you know what I don't even know sometimes. You know, sometimes I start yeah. questioning myself. But um, you know, like when when they have their their moment at the end, and you know, like are you, you know, my husband or you, my wife? And it's like, they don't know. It's like, you know, the, you know, the whole thing of creating something new instead of like destroying life, you know, that, you know, they essentially blew up their copies or their real selves. You know, you know, you don't really know because, you know, you see the, the glowing eyes at the end and everything. And, uh, yeah. you know, it kind of goes along with that whole idea of creating something new. Like it's not, maybe nothing was really destroyed. It was just, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of interpret it as like, cause they even say that the shimmer is dissipated by the time yeah. they, in, by the time they get to rejoin at the end, Oscar Isaac and Natalie mm-hmm. Portman, but then they have that shimmer in their eyes essentially yeah. and they're hugging and it cuts between them. So it's almost like the shimmer came and it observed as much as it needed to just so yeah. it could like create a copy like, that could fully assimilate. Yeah. Two questions that came to mind while I was rewatching it, things I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So it never dawned on me before that the house that they take refuge in, that they get attacked yeah. at later, that's a copy of Natalie Portman's house from before. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an exact copy of their house. And I never realized that. I didn't either. It. Yeah. So my question from that was, is everything that they, that each of the characters sees somewhat related to their own life. Yeah. Like it's the same series of events. Like they're still going into a house. They're still getting attacked by monsters, but is everybody's perception of it, like the detail, the minor yeah. details different? Because another thing that I picked up on was, is that Oscar Isaac has a, in that scene where they're in bed together, he has a tattoo on his chest yeah. of a bear. And I never realized what that was originally. Oh. So, I don't know if like Natalie Portman perceives the thing attacking them as like some kind of embodiment. Yeah. Of some monster. And then that kind of goes along with our whole, you know, affair that she has. And you know, exactly. Yeah. That's a good, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause there's that scene where she finishes banging that uh, coworker Mm. and he's like, he says something to the effect of like, are you afraid that he knows kind of thing? So that's kind of like what I interpreted the bear attack as is like, Oscar Isaac's subconscious going after them in a way. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. this portion of the uh, of the conversation is all speculation. Yeah. <laughs> and she says that thing where, where he's like, you know, do you hate yourself or something? He's like, she's like, no, I hate both of us or whatever. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, maybe that like, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe like at the end when they have that embrace and everything seems to like, you know, whether they know each other or not, but it seems like, you know, they're going to, they're creating something new and it's maybe this is a better version than what they had before. No one really knows. (laughs) Yeah. But this is, I think I agree with you, like in that you were saying you hope that he gets to do more stuff, even though this movie didn't do well, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, which 
it's one of those things where people could be like, well, it didn't do well, so it must not be good, which is not the case. Yeah, we just can't. General we can't audiences that just generally don't like to think. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's putting it nicely too. Yeah. Um, Cause they definitely had uh there was like infighting between the producers when yeah. they were trying to make it. And there was, some people were saying like, we should dumb some of these things down. But mm-hmm. I think then if they had dumbed down a lot of the kind of existential questions that the characters have to ask themselves that there might be some added validity to the idea that that they did not execute on this as well as they could have, you know? Yeah. I do have one kind of criticism of this movie though, is is the the pacing sometimes is off something. Like, I feel like the first act is like kind of, you know, before they go into the shimmer is, uh, you know, I can understand like maybe audiences saying like, Oh, it's, you know, the pacing's like kind of slow and everything, Mm -hmm. which, you know, may or may not be true. I think the the whole part where they're in the shimmers is great. Like you're just kind of on the edge of your seat and everything. But mm-hmm. I, I I do see the beginning of the movie being like, you know, maybe this movie could have been about ten minutes shorter and some of that condensed in the first act. Um, but you know, that's a minor criticism because uh, of you know what yeah, follows. I would I would agree with that. The only thing is, I've read the book and I remember like. How so? By comparison, the first act in the movie is so much faster than in the book. Yeah, because the book, like, it's again, like the book is very clinical in a lot of ways, and there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of dialogue. Yeah, that makes you get engaged and kind of want to get to know these characters. So it's super dense in the beginning of the yeah. book, and by comparison, like, I find the beginning of the movie actually on a rewatch to be a lot more streamlined. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't read the book, I don't think I would yeah. feel that way. I, I, I get you have to, you know, set up the characters because you have to, you know, you need to, to connect with the characters and everything. So I understand having to set that up. Um, you know, again, just a minor criticism, but um, yeah. I can see the audience, you know, going back to, you know, why this wasn't so successful. Um, you know, it is kind of high concept. You know, when most people think of like, you know, they they see in marketing, you know, you know, bunch of women going in with like, you know, assault rifles and everything. They're mm-hmm. probably thinking, oh, this is going to be like sci-fi action or whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, which is a they shame. Because, describe- yeah. Which is a shame because, you know, I, I'd love to see more of these in the theater. Um, but you can tell like, you know, especially with how the you know movie industry is trending. Um, and you can even see it with this movie that the international rights went directly to Netflix like they didn't, this thing got released in theaters internationally. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. I, I, it, they might've been released internationally, but they, this got released internationally on Netflix at the same time uh, okay. as the movie got released here in theaters. So gotcha. yeah, it might've also played into, you know, pir- show piracy or, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, they were trying to kind of make their money back by selling the international rights and say, hey, you can watch this day one on Netflix if you're not in the U.S. So Yeah, I really wish I had been able to see this uh, in the theater when it came out. It's yeah, really it, was, and- it was an experience. And it's just, that, you know, you're in the dark big theater with, you know, uh, the, you know, surround sound blasting and everything like it's. You know, it was a very like immersive experience and I'm really glad that I got to see it on the big screen because some movies just, you know, are amplified by, you know, what you see. And this is definitely a movie that was, you know, all the tension and, you know, 
terrifying parts were just amplified by being in the theater. Yeah, I just I got a uh, a new 4K TV a couple months ago, and this was the movie that I broke yeah. it in with because I was just good, like good choice. the old one that I, the old yeah exactly the old one that I had was not cutting yeah. it, so I was like I need to fully enjoy this in all its uh, 4K glory. Yeah, I watched it in 4K too. I watched it in 4K stream streaming, and I'm just like you know, thank God I have Fios. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I needed I needed every uh, you know every gigabyte streaming of. Uh, you know, that fiber optic goodness. <laughs> so last question for you. Um, so you said you were going to watch devs, but it's not, I don't think it's really realistic that we would ever get like, we like, we both enjoy what Alex Garland did with this universe, but yep. it's not really realistic that he's going to get another opportunity to make a movie out of it. Cause there are two other books, but clearly this underperforms. So I find it difficult to believe that a studio is going to kind of, yeah, want to want to go after a film of this, but do you think that they could make a series adaptation out of the Annihilation universe, whether you know about what happens in the other two books or not? You know, I've never read the other books, um, so I can't really talk for like what the you know what the plot points are. Um, I could see that. I'm, the thing is, like, I'm satisfied with you know just this world and this movie. I've never really thought mm -hmm. of it being you know turning this into like an adaptation. Uh, it could be interesting though, you know, seeing, you know, maybe if you did a series of like, um, you know, the guys who went in before where they're in there for a year and really start to see kind of like the mania of, of being in the shimmer for like extended periods of time. Um, yeah. that, that might be an interesting, you know, kind of thing to dwell on. Yeah. I would just, I would love to see again, like, I don't know the plot of the other books, but I would love to see him be able to be in this world that is like kind of grounded, but at the same time, it's very strange and it kind of makes the possibilities of the different things that he can explore yeah. obviously pretty endless. Um, and I just, I'm, I love that. That's why I've actually decided after rewatching, I'm going to go back and finish devs. Um, just like that world building and that texture that he applies to everything. I just, I'm such a big fan of, um, but yeah. I appreciate you uh, picking this, giving me a chance to uh, revisit this because yep. it was long overdue on my part. Yeah, I've, this is only the second time that I've watched it. Uh, no, sorry, third time. Um, and it's it's you just pick things up on rewatches. It's one of those movies that you know you can pick new things up every time just because there's so many different interpretations. So, mm -hmm. um, and also just you know the horror aspect of it, some of just the most terrifying things. Um, kind of one last thing to put in. Mm -hmm. Um, I forgot how terrifying that, that spore thing was like in the pool that they find. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I, I had a tough time sleeping after that. That was kind of like ingrained in my head. Yeah. yeah. There's uh there's a ton of little moments like that. And again, like you said, on a rewatch, I start to pick up more and more details and it shows just the amount of like layers of detail that he's able to put into everything. Yep. Um, but yeah, this was a great movie to pick, and I appreciate having the uh, the opportunity to chat about it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem, man. I'd love to have you on again sometime soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Daily Horror Habit podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service. And follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram or at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.